Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to be listening to another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. It's a uh, Detroit Red Wings, Chicago Blackhawks, Original Six Red Rivals podcast. We talk about the Red Wings, we talk about the Blackhawks, and just general league musings. On today's schedule, we're going to be talking about the IIHF Worlds. For those of you who don't know, it's basically the World Championships of Hockey. Kind of a big deal, especially for teams out of the Stanley Cup. You can still watch the guys that you like. They get to play with players you may not have seen. And some people get to watch some of your favorite players play together if you like to follow certain countries. Um, we're going to be talking about just a brief bit of the Bruins and Blues Game 1. And then any sort of trade talk or, or league news that's going on. After that, if anything comes up in conversation, topic-wise, that we think would be of interest to talk about, we'll talk about that. With that being said, let's go ahead and just start off with the uh, IIHF Worlds. Admittedly, I didn't get to watch a ton of it because... Work got crazy for me, so Nick or <clears throat> Kevin, if you, one of you guys wants to take it off, just a brief overview of how the tournament went. Kevin, you can take that one. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I tried watching a few of the games here and there, mostly a lot of the Canada games, just because I am Canadian, so obviously I uh, wanted to support the country. Uh, I It was a fun tournament to watch. It always is. I mean, I definitely wish certain players were there and not everyone showed up, which is a little unfortunate, but uh, in some insist- instances, I understand why some players didn't go. Like there were a lot of uh, players who have their contracts expiring, so they didn't show up at the tournament. Uh, just, you know, they don't want to risk getting injured before re-signing. Uh, but there was still a lot of top talent there. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, teams like Russia very stacked offensively at the uh, tournament. Yeah, I think it's... Go ahead, Jordan. I was going to say, the finals, it was uh, Canada and Finland, correct? Yes. It's a gold medal game? Yes. So, who, who would you say was the standout for Team Canada? Like, quote-unquote, the guy, if you were going to say oh, like, someone was carrying that team? It was Mark, Mark Stone, Stone all the way. I agree with you there. Yeah, Mark Stone was just on another level. He was easily not just Canada's best player, but easily one of the best players in the whole tournament. He was tournament MVP. He took he took silver. That just uh, shows how how unreal he was throughout the whole tournament. He's he's a happy man. He got paid, and he's tournament MVP of the IHF Worlds. The other great player for Canada was Anthony Mantha. He had a really good tournament. I didn't like I said I didn't get to watch much of it, but the people that I talked to online they said that he was just a force in some of those games. It, it wasn't something I was expecting. Uh, not that Mantha's not a good player. He is, but uh, he just had a great performance. Like He was just flying down the ice and really dominating. That goal he had in between the legs was unreal. I, I didn't think he had it. I knew he had hands, but he pulled that off so quick and so smooth. It was just beautiful. And then as for the uh, Finnish team who won the tournament, uh, that, that came as a surprise to me. I thought that the Finnish team was not as strong as Team Canada, Team Russia, uh, or even Team Sweden. Uh, there's a lot of impressive... I mean, I agree, but there's a lot of impressive guys that really stood out from that Finnish team. Uh, like Kapo Kako, obviously, well-known ma- name by now. I think he's making, a, making it a tough choice for the Devils coming up for that number one pick. Six goals I- in the tournament. I still think Kako goes second overall in the draft, but uh, he's definitely closed the gap. And then guys like Kevin Lakenin, the goalie, uh, Blackhawks fans should get to know his name. 
1.25 goals against the average throughout the whole tournament. Just stood on his head throughout the whole tournament. And then yeah, Lankinen was unreal. And then he's in 70 of the 76 shots he faced versus Russia and Canada. He stopped 75 of them. So he, he's playing against NHL talent and he's just shutting them down at star NHL talent. Teams like Russia with their forwards they have and Canada with the, just the whole team that Canada has. He's something, he's someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, Lankinen was definitely the reason they won that gold medal game because Canada was outplaying them the whole time and Lankinen was just shutting them down. Obviously, in the tournament, you have uh, teams like Russia who are offensive-based teams and teams like Sweden who are known for their defenders. Is Canada, was their roster more built of like a two-way game or what would you say they guys fa- or their guys favored? I think Canada's big thing was speed. And it was just built to have a lot of fast players. Uh, and I think that's what helped them get through the tournament. I would have to agree. Speed, speed kills. I know it's cliche, but Canada, that's, they've loaded up that roster. They got people that want to play for Team Canada and represent their country. And that's the reason why they went into this tournament as favorites and just couldn't pull it off. Yeah, I think with better defending, they definitely would have had a better shot at winning gold. Look at the blue line. It definitely wasn't as strong as it could have been. You had guys like I don't know why Morgan Riley wasn't there, for example. Um, but it definitely could have been a stronger blue line. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a long season. I know. I know. It means there's there's hockey notes in this tournament that just want to play whenever they can. And re- going back yeah, to the Patrick Kane types. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Patrick Kane. He always wants to be on the ice. But. Yeah. I mean, then you guys got got guys like Brandon Saad and who just want they play the way they play throughout the season. They just need to give their body a break. So it's understandable, but it could be frustrating depending on what country you root for and why guys are taking this time off when they could be playing. Yeah, he actually got to captain Team USA this year, didn't he? Yeah, let's transition to USA. Um, they didn't really make much noise, but uh, Kane was the captain. He had twelve points in eight games, so he looked. He looked himself out there. And then uh, another name, obviously familiar with Hawks fans, Alex Dabrinki had seven goals and nine points in eight games. So scoring them goals like he always does throughout the season. He is 40-goal scorer this year, and he's seen to continue that pace in the IAHF tournament. Larkin, he got to play for uh, Team USA as well. I, I can't remember if they threw an A on his chest or not or if uh... – he should want list, but that's good for him if he did get one. I know he's, Yeah, he had an A on his chest. So he's pretty much slated to be the next captain for the Detroit Red Wings, barring some crazy some crazy mix-up. Yeah, I mean, it's always seemed like he was going to be that guy for Detroit. If you watched Larkin throughout the whole year, he just he, there was games where he was playing. You could tell he was hurting on the ice. He was out there for his team, even if his team's struggling. He's out there grinding, and he just wants to. He loves. He loves his team, and he wants to be that captain of the team. And I think he will be this upcoming season. He definitely deserves it. I mean, he's a guy you can just rely on. You guys are lucky as Hawks fans because you guys had, I think, thirteen guys playing in in the world this year for you guys. Was uh was Duncan Keith playing out at all? Because I mean, even as somebody who doesn't 
religiously follow the Hawks. He's probably my favorite player on the Hawks roster. I think just the way he plays is really fun to watch. Was he playing at all? Duncan Keith was not there. Uh, for Team Canada, it was just Dylan Strom representing the Hawks. So yeah, Jonathan Taves either. Keith took the. I, I think with Keith's getting with Keith getting older, he's just he's going to start taking these tournaments off. He he's playing. They're still throwing him out there thirty minutes. The Hawks are. I should say the Hawks are throwing him out there thirty minutes a night. So this is probably a time of the year where he where he used to want to play in this, but now he just needs to take the time off, get ready for the next season, and play eighty two games. Hopefully, eighty two games. Exactly. There's no real reason for Keith to show up to tournaments like this. He, uh, I think, just needs to really rest over the off season because, unfortunately, there's hasn't been anyone to step up and take his spot on the Hawks roster. So he's still playing just really heavy minutes. Guys have a lot of uh, cap space freeing up this year, and. For you guys, when you guys have players in your system who are about to re-sign, how much would you say that going to a tournament like this and making an impression would factor into a contract? Because, I mean, I imagine as a player, you have to, you know, think about, like, you know, injuring your body and, like, what that could do for your contract. But also performing on a world stage has also got to at least do something for contract negotiations, especially when you go up against potentially other top caliber guys who you may not have seen very often in the regular season. I mean, like, do you think that really factors in or? Yeah. Let me say this. Alex DeBrinket is not getting any cheaper the way he performed in the world. He's going to be one of those guys that they're looking to extend soon and playing against top tier talent in this tournament. And he's still lighting it up. I think uh, without his buddy, Dylan Strom, Dylan Strom representing Canada, obviously. And he's still performing the way he is. So Debrinkit is going to get paid, and I think it's going to be real soon. Yeah, I agree. I think Debrinkit needs to get extended this summer as opposed to next summer when his deal expires. Um, because he's a guy that, like, honestly could next season, it, it sounds crazy, but could be like a 50 goal scorer, and he's only going to increase his stock. The goal scorer. He's, he's steadily increased his goals the last two years, and I would not be surprised if he's around the 45-50 mark next year. It wouldn't be unreasonable. Crazy. So I, I think the Hawks need to lock him up this year, this summer. I'd, I would have to agree. Cannot agree more. Whereas I think with Dylan Strom, they might wait on him to see what he can do uh, during a full season with the Hawks. Yeah, a full season with Debrinket, uh, that could benefit too. He, you've seen him play the way he did in the first, and right when he came over, he had a he had a three point game, I believe, his first game with the Hawks. So, obviously, he's he's a whole different player than he was in Arizona. Arizona didn't put him in a healthy atmosphere. So, I think coming to the Hawks re- improved his career, and he's gonna be he's gonna be a part of this team. It's just. For a long time, it's just how uh, how much is he going to make in the upcoming years? Are there uh, any notable goals at all in this tournament? I mean, you mentioned uh, Amantha having one, a really nice one uh, between the legs. Yeah, he seemed uh, like he was really good. I heard he had like a four point game. Maybe I misheard, but I heard no, he had was, a good game. There was a few. 
Capococco just seemed like a human highlight reel throughout this tournament. <laughs> even when he wasn't, even even just it was like it, it, there was just a video of him doing a shootout, a shootout practice, and he played with this like he found like played around with the stick and fired off a shot, which I don't even know how he got off, and it just looked silky and it was unreal. He he, he just every time I opened up Twitter or something, he was all over it, just lighting the world on fire. I think a lot of the guys that you expected to go out there and and score they did like obviously guys like kucherov uh i think there was this nice uh with russia there was like a three-way passing play i think it was between kucherov gusev and anisimov uh and it was just like a three-way play between them all and uh they went tic-tac-toe and in and uh that's just what you expect from those guys yeah it's cool it's also cool the way the chemistry between these guys they don't they don't practice as religiously as these NHL teams do. Obviously, they get the chance to play with each other during times like this, but they aren't preparing a whole offseason or anything to play with these guys, and the chemistry they pick up and just light it up with each other is unreal. So I think it's it's fun. This time of year is fun. I know it's over. This time of year is fun to watch these guys play together. I don't know. If, is there anything else that you guys would like to talk about the uh, worlds with, or does that just yeah. about wrap it up? Yeah, the, I mean, just something minor. I mean, with the draft coming up soon, Jack Hughes, he looked okay out there, three assists in seven games. I don't think it affects his draft stock that much. I don't think so. But I mean, he, he's he just got done with the junior IH, IIHF, and he was playing with Kane and. On Kane's line, so but Kane had nothing but high praise with him. He said Kane said Hughes does things better than he does already. So it shows that he's he has all this promise. He's getting this recognition from Patrick Kane, giving him shout outs. So I, despite the lack of points throughout this tournament for Jack Hughes, I don't think there's really anything to worry about with him. Well, the other thing you have to keep in mind with him is ice time because uh, he was just playing bottom six minutes, I think, for Team USA. Uh, whereas Capocacco was out there playing a lot of uh, big and important minutes for them. So he got some more of an opportunity to shine in this tournament, I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I agree. The ice time doesn't help. But he looked he looked like an NHL player out there. He, so there's nothing to worry about. There's no reason to even freak out about Jack Hughes. He's going to be fine. And if he keeps getting recognized by players like Patrick Kane and all the love he's getting from his Team USA teammates, you know he's going to be something special. And both those guys, great players, and they're locks to be in the NHL next season. Without a doubt. If you're getting praises from uh, from Patrick Kane, you got to be at least somewhat good. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll go ahead and move on to the next segment. We'll go and talk about the uh, Stanley Cup final. Boston and St. Louis making it. St. Louis surprisingly looks they were bottom of the uh, the league on January first. They were dead last to make it all the way to the finals. I think that's something to be noted of, if nothing else. It's impressive. That being said, they lost game one, four to two against Boston. Uh, Boston's fourth line just looked amazing that game. I mean, they just shut them down completely, and they even produced like. At least from what I saw of the highlights, anyway. Did you guys get a chance to watch the game in detail, or Boston is just 
throughout that whole lineup, they're just physical and they have depth throughout from line one to line four. Uh, Sean Corrales is one of the guys that I like for no reason, but he's just one of those guys that grind it out. Then you guys got got guys like Marcus Johansson, who just looks like he's the best player on the ice. He looked unbelievable game one. And then I think the addition of Charlie Coyle at the trade deadline this year, he's really been a big part of this playoffs, and it's he's a main reason why. I shouldn't say main reason, but he's a big reason why Boston's in the Stanley Cup right now. That was interesting because that was a trade I uh, wasn't too crazy about when it happened. I thought that Minnesota won that trade, and maybe they do in the long run, but uh, it's definitely helping Boston a lot right now. Boston, they've looked pretty good all year. I mean, you, they have their top guys. You know, they have Bergeron, they have Marchand, they have Pasternak, they've got Rask. Like, that roster is just stacked for them right now. Yeah, they're, and then their defensive core, too. I mean, you got guys like Charlie McAvoy, who's – he's so young. He came in the league a few, uh, two seasons ago, and he just – right off the bat, he came in the playoffs kind of like Cal McCarr this year, and he just, he was a center of attention. He, he looked like a top-pairing defenseman right away, and he's showing that he is that. He scored a big goal game one – or game one to tie it up. So Charlie McAvoy is – one of those guys who's a difference maker in every single game he plays. Boston, like, they just, they dominated St. Louis, like, who is it? Tarasenko, he got a goal, and I can't remember who the other goal was, but other than that, they, from what I was watching, it just didn't look like they generated offense, which is weird, because that's, I think, what St. Louis has been riding, I mean... really know what happened boston isn't a super defensive team i mean like you said like they're good but they're not like a team like nashville who's built from the back forward i think that's what surprised me the most about that game i think uh it's that physical aspect boston brings every one of their players when they step on the ice they want to go out there and hit somebody the one that got the most attention that game was tory krug after the scuffle. that big hit yes that scuffle <laughs> with uh Perron. And he came all the way across the ice. I don't know how it wasn't a penalty. And just laid out Robert Thomas. That was, uh, it, it was, it was a clip of the playoffs. His hair flowing, just taken off and laid Robert Thomas on the ice. <laughs> yeah, I just think when you've got guys that are willing to really play physical, you know, everyone on that roster, I mean, the blue line, you've got, uh, yeah, you've got Krug, you've got Greslick, uh, Chara, uh, McAvoy, uh, Carlo, like, and then of course with all their forwards, like all these guys are willing to get physical, and that's just really important, especially when you're in the playoffs. Tuka Rask always being, always being Tuka Rask pulling wins out of it seems like nowhere. Tuka is gonna Tuka whenever he, whenever they need a, whenever they need him to show up, he's going to, he's going to show up, and there shouldn't be anything taken away from yet. Boston fans continuously, they don't give him enough respect. And we've talked about it before. And Tuka Rask, he should be the if the if Boston goes on to win this turn, uh, the Stanley Cup, he should be the consummate winner. It almost reminds me of of a Carey Price type goalie where he'll have games where he's just absolutely not good, and then he just goes on a tear for twenty games like. 
it seems like most of the good goaltenders in the league tend to be like that. They'll have their like four or five bad game stretches, and then they just stand on their head for 20 games. And Tuka seems to be one of those goaltenders. Yeah, he's definitely a hot and cold kind of guy. But when he's hot, he's definitely really hot. When he's hot, I think he's the best goalie in the league. When he's on his roll, he's the best goalie in the league. But, I mean, we also got to give credit to Jordan, ben- Jordan Bennington on the other side of the ice. Oh, he, 100%. He's the reason why St. Louis was even in the playoffs. I mean, they were struggling on, in, the, in between the pipes. I think it was January when they were went from last place to first. Starting in January, they were in dead last. Looked like they could have been picking number one this season. And then they called Jordan Bennington up, and the guy has just been unreal. Yeah, Bennington's been lights out. I know, like, I mean, the clear favorite for the Calder is uh, Elias Pettersson, but Bennington makes a good case as to why he should win. I agree. I mean, it, it all... I, I believe the Calder should go into more consideration. I know it doesn't, but to compare to what your team has done, and if that was in consideration, Bennington would be without a doubt the Calder, Calder Trophy winner. But Elias, I mean, you can't take away from Elias Pedersen. He was just absolutely oh, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Even in game one, like Bennington, I mean, he put up, what was it, 34 saves out of 37. I mean, he had like a .919 save percentage. I mean, that's not bad for a guy, practically a 9-2 against an offensive team like Boston, who's got the heavy hitters. Like, that's nothing to really scoff at. He's just so relaxed. You see him in post-game interviews. And he just looks like there's nothing bothering him. It could be it could be a game seven game, and he'll just be relaxed. Doesn't nothing bother him. He's taking it like it's another game. And I think that's what goes into his success. Yeah, and then of course that just strikes confidence in the guys in front of him. Yes, without a doubt. And the boys want to play for a goalie like that. They're going to go out there, and they know they have a goalie that's going to potentially shut down a team every night and that just gets the boys going and wanted to believe they can win any game possible. Uh, game two is actually going on right now. It looks like Boston is up one goal at the moment. <laughs> yeah, the Charlie Coyle trade deadline yeah. acquisition. Yep, Charlie Coyle. <laughs> so he's going to show why he was worth that, ri- that Ryan Donato price. Is a, like, could you imagine being a Blues fan in January? You have the feeling of we're going to be in contention for the number one pick. To in like May, we're going to the finals. Like that has got to be such an emotional roller coaster as a fan. Yeah, I think as Hawks fans, we came close to experiencing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, we had fun for about. Two weeks as Hawks fans, we're like, we're gonna make the stretch. Yeah, yeah we're, we're we're gonna make the playoffs. We're gonna make the playoffs. And then reality hit. We we finally played teams that were actually playoff teams, and we just couldn't pull off wins when we needed to. Uh, we were uh, definitely but, pretenders. Yeah, without a doubt, pretenders. But it was fun. It was fun. I <laughs> those two weeks, and then I mean, in the end, we got the number three pick. So, which was just uh, huge. <laughs> Yeah, it was worth it. It was we we looked competitive and we won games, and we still got that draft pick that we wanted. But the worst yeah, which, thing about that is for me as a Wings fan, 
you guys down. You guys got to jump up and we got screwed yet again. <laughs> yeah, Every but year the, the wings have been in the draft lottery. They've gotten forced down. We've never moved up. I think uh you got the right guy at the helm. And we'll go in more into that uh coming up on uh, later in the podcast, but the Red Wings sh- they shouldn't be worried too worried if I they're going to get a star player at that pick. We'll go more. Uh, I think that. you guys got a little lucky with uh, last year's draft too. Yes, we'll <laughs> we'll go more into that though. As once we get to, uh, we want to talk about our team. Is there anything else we want to touch up on with the Stanley Cup? Uh, obviously, game two is going on right now. Any closing remarks about game one? I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, Boston absolutely looked like a force. Tuka Rask played Tuka Rask. And How about this? What What is your uh, prediction? What do you think? Who's going to win? How many games? What's your prediction for this series? Jordan, we'll start with you. Um, well, I mean, as much as it pains me to say, I think Boston's going to win it in six. I think that Bergeron's going to just turn the lights on and step up. I mean... In my opinion, he's the best player on Boston's team. And I mean, even the games that he hasn't showed up on the stat sheet, he still just played amazingly good defensive hockey. He, he can generate chances. Like, I think that guy is going to be like the difference maker for them in this series. And if it weren't Tuka Rask, I think he'd probably be my candidate for the con for them. But I think overall, Boston's probably going to take this series six to two. I think St. Louis will try to. And probably squeak one or two wins out, but I think just Boston's too strong this season. I mean, you look at that roster and you don't really see any glaring holes that St. Louis is going to be able to exploit. Kevin, how about you? Yeah, I'll be slightly more bold in my prediction and say Boston and five, because why not? (laughs) I I wish uh, I I was going to say, I'm going to say the exact same thing, Boston and five. I think... Boston's just too physical. St. Louis is a physical team, don't get me wrong. But Boston's going to outplay them, out-physical them. And they're just going light to light, light them up. And maybe not. It's not going to be a blowout win with Bennington and Nett, but Boston's got that group. They got that winning mentality. Obviously, bought the Red Sox won the World Series this year, and the Patriots won the Super Bowl this year. I think the city of Boston's thriving, and they're going to just go out there and try to end this as soon as possible. Hey, if they can do it in four, even better. Just really stick it to the Blues. <laughs> yes, please just get rid of the Blues as fast as possible. <laughs> uh, I think if Boston wins, they'll be the first city to have all three championships since Detroit had it, I want to say, in 1926. Detroit had all the major championships. Boston, I think, will be the first uh, city to have it. I don't think any other cities had it since Detroit had it. That'd be kind oh, of cool. That's a very long time ago. Almost a hundred years. I, and uh, well, as we're talking about them, Joe Nord- Nordstrom, former Hawk, uh, Boston. I think it's leading two to one now. Did you just get up. Yeah, yeah. Nordstrom yep. just. Yep. It was Pat Maroon tied it, and Nordstrom. I know. T- I know. People listen to this. Are we? We watched the game, but. We're we're getting the updates live right now, so I might as well. If you didn't watch the game, this is going to be useful for you. (laughs) 
All right, well, with that being said, is there anything that you guys need to talk about about game one? Or you guys think we covered the bases all right? We've covered everything. So, yeah, we can move on from the playoffs on to the next segment. All right, so next we'll go ahead and just talk about uh, general league musings. Um, hasn't been a terribly, terribly busy week. A couple of weeks ago, you had the big moves with uh, Steve Eiserman. You had a couple of interviews. I mean, Ken Holland, he went to Edmonton, so that's a big shakeup for them. I know Edmonton fans have wanted Shirley gone for a while. And uh, Dave Tippett there also. Dave, Dave Tippett's gone as well. So, I mean, that, that was a couple of weeks ago, though. Um Talks but, uh, of Mitch Marner willing to go somewhere. Yes, yes, that's the one that probably lit up social media these last two two days now. Mitch Marner is going to be Mitch Marner is going to make this offseason interesting. It's going to be an interesting offseason already. But this Mitch Marner situation with the Maple Leafs, it, it's going to make things. If they if the Maple Leafs want to bring back Marner, there's going to be a lot of pieces they're going to have to get rid of in order to afford him. I hear from his camp he's wanting, you know, Patrick Kane money. Like, I think the problem for the, the Leafs is they have these young players who are, I mean, and no doubt about it, are great players, but they don't have the success that, you know, these teams that have won the Cup have to warrant that kind of salary. And I think in some respects we have to, you know, ask, like, we see young superstars all the time. You know, the league's getting younger and younger. I mean, do these young kids warrant that money when – we don't see the success yet. Uh, you've seen it happen before with this same team. The Maple Leafs just paid Matthews that big contract just this year. So are they worth it? Maybe not. They haven't proved their winners, but with the production they put up, and especially Mitch Marner's case, considering he kills penalties, he's on the number one power play unit, and he's without a doubt, one of their best players, if not their best player all around. So is $11 million too much for a guy like him? Maybe, but he, there's no, you, can, you can't argue that he doesn't deserve that kind of money. I just think the Leafs kind of shot themselves in the foot because, I mean, to me, Matthews signed his deal as $11.6 million. To me, Marner is a better player than Matthews. So if Matthews is making eleven point six million, you've set your benchmark there. So you know, I think they kind of screwed themselves when it comes to the Mitch Marner negotiations. It also helps Matthews as a center. I've seen this argument. Does yeah, with if he was a winger, he wouldn't. But with that, if he was a winger, he wouldn't be making that kind of money. But Marner obviously knows Marner without a doubt. I've said it already, but he's a better player all around than Austin Matthews. So you gave him that price tag to look at. Marner's going to want around the same. Assuming Toronto does find a way to make it work, I mean, looking at their roster, do you think that, say that they do sign both of those players, do you think they'll be able to form like a cup contender having that much money tied up in cap space on the books? Because, I mean... We look at some of the teams that you know have have done well when they sign superstars to big contracts. I mean, Pittsburgh is probably one of the most obvious ones. I mean, you had Crosby and Malkin making huge money, and it's worked out all right for them. I mean, 
you have to do a bit of a patchwork job, but you look at guys like Crosby and Malkin, I mean, those guys are, they're generational type players. I mean, they drive their own lines. They're both centers, even when they don't have, and I mean, no, obviously no respect, no disrespect to the guys who play with them, but you don't have, you know, these guys who are top line wingers playing with them. They can turn those guys into top six players. Like, do you think that Toronto could pay guys that kind of cap space and make it work? I think they need to. I mean, Marner is a guy you really don't want to let go, but Toronto's problems are defense. They don't. They don't have. I mean, just guys they're paying right now. That if you look at, I'm on cap friendly right now. In all their top contracts, their highest defensive contract is going. It's five million for Morgan Riley, which he's one of the best D men in the league. There's no de- there's no denying that. And then you got Jake Muzzin making four million, but they're all worried about paying their forwards. You got eleven point six to Austin Matthews, eleven million to John Tavares. William Nylander is making six point nine million. Marlou six point two five. Kadri four point five. He, they're worried about paying these forwards when they should be worried about that back end because that's where they're struggling. Yeah, especially on the right side. And yeah, they're losing Jake Gardner too this offseason, which doesn't help. He's, I mean, I, I don't think he's a fantastic D-man, but he's one of their best. He's their, their top pairing de- defensemen. So it's gonna, they're going to be in a lot of pain this summer because they they're losing – they could lose Kasperi Kapanen, which I don't think they're going to be able to afford if they want to pay Marner. Yeah, the Leafs are a team that, if they're not careful, uh, might not be a playoff team again. <laughs> yeah, we've we know we know this Cavs situation too well, Kevin. Where Stan Bowman has uh, put us in cap hell, we'll call it. For I mean, he's somehow we've I mean we've won the Cubs, meant shifted through the cap, but. There was times where we're like, we we could be screwed here, and yeah. that's that's with just paying T- Kane and Taves ten and a half million. Yeah. The I mean, are- the the cap hell is just one of those things where it's inevitable. Like the Hawks having the success that they had, that's just something they had to go through. The issue for the Leafs is they haven't had that success yet, and they're already heading into cap hell. Yeah, I think they they did not need to go get John Tavares this off season. I mean, so- it was it was cool that they did. But that's eleven million in cap space that you could have put to somewhere else, like the back, yeah. like the blue line. I agree. The Tavares signing to me was not wise because he's eating up eleven million when you already have your franchise center in Matthews. It's not like you needed to it get didn't Tavares. Make, it didn't make any sense. The situation I think is what surprises me the most about Toronto. I feel like. If there's any position they should have spent money on, it should have been a goaltender. I mean, Freddie Anderson, that guy, he has to make so many saves to play on that team and make them good. The problem is they're paying him $5 million already as is. So, I mean, he's only 29. So, I mean, Anderson showed that he deserves that kind of money. But he, he didn't have – I'm trying to – I'm trying to think of the words to say. Kevin, pick me up here. <laughs> well, Anderson, yeah, I don't know. I think like he's a pretty decent goalie. Five million for him, I think, is okay. I mean, he's obviously not uh, the level of goalie that uh, he's not at the level of like a Gibson or Vasilevsky or Rask, but 
I think he's competent enough. Like he's obviously an NHL starter. Uh, again, I really think it's the blue line for Toronto. That's the issue and not necessarily the goaltending and the scoring. They're also paying Phil Kessel still to not play on the Maple Leaf. They retain one point two. <laughs> they retain one point two million on his contract. That that goes for the next three years as well. So Phil Kessel's yeah. still on the payroll. That's yeah, and still on the payroll only for one year. But that uh, Nathan Horton contract. Yeah, he. But they have him on long term IR. So, uh, yeah. But the Leafs, I. They could be screwed soon. And it would not be it would not be surprising. They got the talent, but with this offseason, it's gonna make or break them. Definitely. Yeah, Dubas has a lot on his plate. So with that go ahead, Jordan. Oh no, I was gonna say, speaking of Kessel, there are rumors flying around that uh there Pittsburgh are. is looking to maybe trade him. Yes, that's I was I was actually gonna transition to that with talking about Kessel. I'm not sure how legitimate they are, but if that's no. the case I think they're pretty legit, and that's this could be Kessel. There was a trade in place with the Wild, and Kessel yes. nicks, nicks the trade. He didn't want to go to Minnesota. Can't blame him. So, is it for Zucker? I, is that what I saw? I believe it's for Jason Zucker, yes. So I think uh, Pittsburgh's going to have a drama-filled offseason. They've already mm-hmm. – I mean, Phil Kessel, he's in control. But he's going to go where he wants to go. But this is already going to cause drama with Pittsburgh. And we can only hope this is the downfall of Pittsburgh, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've had, what is it, three cups with the Crosby Malkin era. Any fan in that town who gets mad that they're bad for a while, you just look at the Crosby Malkin era and then wash them right into the sunset and be happy. I mean, kind of in the way that, you know, Chicago had so much success back to back. Pittsburgh is in a pretty similar boat. So. I can't, I can't really see any Pittsburgh fans though being mad if he has to move. I mean, they can't be mad. They had their success. You I mean you had back-to-back cups that hasn't happened in over a decade? I mean, you can't really be mad at back-to-back cups if eventually you lose your pieces. No, Castle's gonna Castle's gonna be traded this offseason. There's no doubt in my mind. It's just a matter of where they show they want to get rid of him. I I. Honestly, can't think of a team that really makes sense right now. Minnesota would be that team. They're looking for star-powered forwards. I don't think a team like the Hawks is even going to take a chance on him. So, oh, I mean, the last thing the Hawks need is scoring. Yeah, but that that yeah, I agree. I agree. They could they could light it up. They're worried about that defense though. Yeah, the issue with the Hawks is defense, not just on the blue line, but also their forwards need to be more responsible defensively. I agree. I agree. They need two way forwards, and but I mean that comes. These they still got young guys. It'll come. Dylan Strom's looked promising as a two hundred foot player. I, uh, I'm a huge Strom fan. Yes, I am too. I agree. You know, is there anything else you want to cover with the? I mean. Do you what do you think is going to be the outcome for the Leafs? And I think the Leafs, and I know it's never. One, I, say. I know it's never happened, but I, I really want to see an offer sheet happen in the NHL. Like there seems to be this gentleman's agreement with GMs where there's this: I won't offer sheet if you won't offer sheet. And we were talking about this a little bit before the show, but. 
that's a tool that is put in place for a reason. Like teams have that tool to acquire pieces that they weren't able to acquire. And I think some GM has eventually got to be the guy who just draws first blood and says, you know what, if nobody else to do what I will. And I think if ever there was a player to do it over, Mitch Marner could be that player. I mean, it's like you're saying, I mean, he's pretty close to Matthews in terms of how he plays and just like talent. I mean, if you're going to draw blood and open up the offer sheet, floodgates on a guy, he seems to be the sort of guy to do it. I mean, as for where he's going, I I would have no idea on that, though. I, I mean, agree. I think teams, general managers, and specifically, this offer sheet game is out of fear. Uh, or revenge, I should say, because there's teams that with big RFAs coming up soon, and if they do this to one of their players, there's going to be other teams out there looking for blood and going after RFAs from the team that would put an offer sheet out there. So I basically think they're afraid of revenge. That's definitely what it is. I don't know. I think it's fun to me. Like, uh, I just think that, yeah, as Jordan was saying, like, it's a tool that GMs are given. They're allowed to offer sheets. So I don't see why they shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I agree. If, if it's, if it's there, use it. If you need, if, Uh, if, if you need a guy like Mitchell Marner, every team out there, should be if they need he's 22 years old he's the future of a franchise you get him for, throughout his whole 20s it's a no brainer i mean you have to give up four first round picks sure but mitchell marner is a guy that's worth it there's not every first round pick going forward is a lottery chance you don't know if you're going to hit on him you don't know if he's going to work out you don't know if he's going to be the future of the franchise mitchell All marner right. we know what he could do yeah and if you know that you're a playoff team going forward, especially with Mitch Marner on your roster. Those first round picks are, you know, mid to late picks. There, there's no chance of them being at Mitch Marner level. Yeah, it's it's a roll of a dice. They either hit or they don't. So you don't get players like Mitch Marner don't come around very often. I mean, you see good players, but Mitchell Marner is one of those players that's elite. He's a franchise altering player. And I think any team would be dumb if they had the chance. They'd be dumb if they don't take it. I think this is definitely the year. If you're going to offer sheet, it's Mitch Marner. That's the guy you go after. Uh, maybe Braden Point because Tampa's also in a bad cap situation. Uh, but Mitch Marner is definitely the guy. Yeah, he's the guy that's going to be drawing a lot of attention this offseason. But Braden Point, we shouldn't sell short. He's a very talented forward. and he would be a nice addition to any club out there. He won't be making this $11 million that Marner's demanding, but he will bring in some coin. Definitely. I think, it's, I think the storm's almost perfect for offer sheets. I mean, you have a team like Toronto who's about to get cap crunched. You have a player who's the caliber of Marner. And you've got teams who have the cap space to be able to afford a guy like him. So I... like. It seems like all the pieces are in set for it finally to be done. Like, there's a there, there's another thing. I I mean, you could also go through a sign and trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs at this point. We know they're going to be struggling with this cap. I wouldn't be surprised if we we could even 
if it's not Nylander to move this offseason, if they can't move Nylander, they don't want to move Nylander, they want to move Marner, I think a sign-and-trade is another option, another route they could go. Sign-and-trade would be interesting. I think somebody but, could work out a deal where you do sign-and-trade and then you already have the picks pre-established before you trade. I think that'd be an interesting angle to look at, at where like a team says... All right, if you can get him to sign for under $6 million, we'll throw in an additional third or fourth rounder. I think that'd be an interesting angle to take it. I, w- w- you're going to have to give up a lot, but you won't be giving up. So you're going to be getting rid of players if you, do it, if you go through trade. You're also, obviously, you're going to have to include picks, but you won't be losing the next four years. If Mar- that is if Martin makes this $11 million that we're talking about. But if... There's a team out there that's willing to give up the hefty price of a great player and some prospects and maybe two first round picks. I think Mitchell Marner is your guy that you want to go after. I think I, I, Oh, sorry, you can keep going. I, yeah, I, I, no, no, you're okay. I just I seen this floated out there. I think it was by Barstool Chief. He's a good guy to follow if you want any more news. But he threw out an idea of. Trading Brandon Saad, Adam Boquist, and maybe another prospect and two first round picks for Mitchell Marner. Kevin, I guess you're my other Hawks guy here. Yeah. What, what would you think about that? I know, I know we're worried about our defense, but. Well, Marner is definitely a guy I actually think Chicago should look to acquire. I know defense is an issue here, but Marner's a guy, he's a great two way winger. Like, and Chicago lacks that. I mean, for two-way players, it's kind of Jonathan Taves is your guy, and then after him, there's not too much. So Marner is actually would slot in very nicely, especially on the second line with Stroman to bring it. Like, that would be incredible. And, yeah, he plays such a hard two-way game that he would definitely fit on the team. Um, I'm of the mindset that I would be totally fine offer-sheeting him for the four first-round picks, I would have no issue yeah. doing it personally. I agree. I mean, like you said before, you get a guy like Marner, he could be that difference maker of a playoff team. So you, if you lose those four first-round picks, it would be in the 22 to 32 range. Uh, so I think it's worth it if you want to go get a guy like him. I know I said it a lot uh, just talking about Mitchell Marner, but he's just that good of a player that – uh, any team could use. You're pretty good for you guys, or for the Hawks, I should say, to just pick up a guy like Marner. My only pro- uh, problem would be, you mentioned uh, trading Boquist. I think he's too valuable for a piece for you guys to trade. I mean, you guys are going to be picking third this year, and I think you guys will probably pick Bowen Byram. I th- based on what I've seen, he looks like a potential number one defenseman, and they don't come through the draft often. But I think... You could ride a Boquist Byram pairing. So I don't know if you would trade Boquist or not, but I definitely agree with you guys. I think if you were able to trade a guy like Saad and free up the cap space, you guys should absolutely go for Marner. I think if they were to go to the sign. I don't know. I think if they do go the sign and trade route, uh, and the thing with Boquist is like, the organization would have to assess what they have in him. If they believe that Boakfist is a number one, number two defenseman, 
I don't think you get rid of him. Like that's just, that would be silly to get rid of him. And the organization has put a lot of work into developing him. If they feel he's more of like a number three, number four kind of guy, then suddenly he becomes a lot more expendable. But it, it, it really just comes down to what the organization thinks of him. Yeah, and he's still young too. So I, I know it's people would be, there'd be a lot of questions like, why would you want to get rid of a guy like that? You just drafted him last season. But right now his big knack, the big weakness in his game is his play in his own zone. You see these highlight reels of him just lighting it up offensively. But his biggest issue is, as a defenseman, is his defensive game. So, I mean, it's something he could fix as he grows older. So it's it would be a high-risk move to trade Boquist this early. But it all depends on what you, like you said, what you think of, what you think he could be. Eventually, someone in that Hawks young D uh, prospect group is going to get moved out. Yes, they they that that's been the focus of their attention this last three drafts. They got drafted Ian Mitchell, they drafted Henry Okaharu, Nicholas Bodin, and then you got guys like Chad Kreiss who just got called up. So they're and they're all they're mostly right-handed shots. So I think that's and if they do take Bowen Byram, that just adds another plug in that defensive pool. So. They have a lot of right-handed D-men in their uh, system, so they would, they're going to have to trade one of those guys eventually. Yeah, and, I, I, and they're not they're a little thin when it comes to forward prospects, so definitely at some point one of those defenders gets moved for you know a, a young top six forward. Yes, I would. So should we just move should we move into this offseason stuff then? These uh, Blackhawks and Red Wings news? I mean, we kind of talked about it if uh, the Hawks picked him up. I wouldn't mind talking about if Detroit picked him up. I actually yeah. think it wouldn't be a bad pickup for Detroit if... I mean, unfortunately, Vids isn't here to help me talk about it, but Detroit's system, we have the opposite problem that the Hawks system has. We have quite a, a few guys. Defense, right? Yeah, like, we've got uh, Philip Hironik, who I believe was actually named defenseman of the IAHF tournament, which... I mean, that's a great sign for Wings fans. It's making the uh, the Datsuk trade to Arizona look even better, as if it wasn't already good. Um, they've got Dennis Chalowski, potentially a defenseman if they take one in this draft, which I think they probably won't. I think they'll probably take Pod Colson if he's available, or Turcotte, because, like I said, I think Byram goes third. But they have uh, Vilisari Arvi. He's on the fringe of making it. So they have a couple of young defensive prospects, but their forwards, nobody has really been that guy aside from Larkin Mantha and Athanasiu. Bertuzzi has been very good, but he's he's an upgraded Justin Aptel. He's not really a top six guy. He's a top six guy because there aren't enough top six guys. I mean, he's yeah. a perfectly serviceable player he can play in the boards he can play rough right but ideally he's in your bottom six exactly he's in your bottom six i think he's more of a top nine guy which yeah still isn't bad for a guy who during the draft analysts thought he would go in the seventh round so 
I think Detroit could move a player like that to Toronto. It gives them a skilled forward in place of Marner, not somebody on on point with Marner in terms of production or talent, but somebody who can still plug in and be a perfectly serviceable player. If there's one thing that the Wings do with their players, they absolutely grind into their brains defense, defense, defense. I mean, Jeff Blaschel, whenever he's in his post-game interviews, he always says, you know, we need to get our guys playing a 200-foot game. Um, Dylan Larkin is a perfect example of this. The kid plays probably one of the best 200-foot games of anybody in recent note for the uh, for the franchise. They're slowly getting Athanasiu to play it. And I think if they trade for a guy like Marner, that gives them another guy to be a real top six player for that franchise. And, and in turn, Detroit can send top nine players to Toronto who give them cap relief, but still giving them serviceable players. Like, I think it could potentially work for both teams, and it's not... It's not something that really hurts either team. I mean, both teams are going to be in a spot where they want to either improve or they need to free up cap space. And I think a trade would make that work. And, I mean, Steve Eiserman took over about oh, a couple of weeks ago now. But, I mean, if you want to make a big splash and, you know, establish yourself as a GM, I mean, there's no bigger way than doing it than, than being the guy who breaks the offer sheet trend. Yeah, and the Red Wings had, before this uh, playoff started, the Red Wings went big after those uh, college free agents. They got guys yeah. like Tara Hirose, and I, I, I'm stumped on the other guy's name. Was it Kuffner? Kuffner. Yeah, so, and Hirose, he showed that he could play the NHL level right away. I think he had an assist in every game he played, or average an assist every game he played. Uh, he had, uh, I believe it was five assists in the games that he played. I mean, he played perfectly well. And that's what he was known for in college. I mean, this past season he had 35 assists in 36 games. So he's one of those guys, he knows where everybody's at on the ice. He could, get, he could dish the puck. So the Red Wings have been loaded up on their on their prospects lately. I mean, we talked about it before the show, like Oliver Kasky, who they just recently signed. So... And then you got guys like Jared McIsaac, and then obviously Joe Valeno. And, Joe Valeno. Uh, yeah, Valeno and uh, Philip Zadina. So they they loaded up. And then with Eiserman taking over, you see what he did in the draft years before. So they're, I, think, I don't think they're in as a bad spot as they were two years ago. And now you got Eiserman knowing what he's doing. I think the Red Wings are going to be a nice, fun team to watch during this rebuilding phase that we've been watching over the last few years. I would say just going back to the Marner thing, uh, if the thing with Detroit is if you're acquiring Marner, you have to give up first round picks. And if Detroit is still in a position where they're still kind of rebuilding, those first round picks are going to be really high. So I don't know if you want to necessarily give those up. No, I don't think if Detroit wants to go get Marner, I don't think they should go the offer sheet route. I think they should go look to trade him. Maybe if you're trading, you still have to give up at least one first round pick. Well, yes, but I'm is yeah, I guess you're right. You're right. They have to give up first round picks, but it all depends on what you think Mitch Marner could do for that Detroit franchise. 
Definitely. It's just if you're, you know, if you're a team that might end up in like the bottom five and then, you know, that pick turns into a top three pick. I don't know. Kind of like the Duchesne situation. Yeah, the I was about to say the the Ottawa Colorado deal. Yeah, it's 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 a risk. It's a risk. But if you want to get your guy, then I guess sometimes you have to do what you have to do. But there's a risk that comes with it. So it really all depends on whether they want to risk these draft picks for that could hit or miss, depending on where Detroit is, or if they want to go get a guy that they know could do some damage and change that franchise for many years to come. Really, I would have been opposed to trading, first, especially first-rounders right now in Detroit's rebuild phase. The only reason that I would be okay with moving it for, or moving them for Marner is because Detroit has plenty of offensive power in terms of offense in their pipeline. They've got Athanasiu, 30-goal scorer. Larkin, 30-goal scorer. Mantha, I think he was a 25 guy. You've got guys... Mantha who, should be a 30 scorer. Yeah, he should season. be a 30. I mean, you have your scoring in the top already, and I mean, people could say, well, yeah, you're going to add Marner, and that's just more forwards, but you could trade potentially a guy like Athanasiu, who he had contract problems with Detroit, I believe it was two seasons ago. And, I mean, like, he's he's been turning out okay, and, I mean, it's shown he can produce, but I'm not sure. He went overseas too, didn't he? Um, he did. I don't like, think he went overseas. Thre- he, he threatened to yeah, go he threatened overseas. To go. Yeah, he threatened, I think, to go to the KHLers. So, I mean, I don't know if there's maybe bad blood between him and management. I don't know. But if, if he wants well, to I get mean, a fresh it's start. Management. It's new management out, too. I guess that's fair, but I mean, well, uh, go ahead. I was to say, but Sorry, I mean, was... you're going to trade potential first rounders for, oh, I mean, in theory, first rounders for a guy like Mitch Marner. Detroit, they, they've got guys who I think will be fine, even if they don't pick up the first rounders. I mean, they have Joe Valeno, who he looks like he's going to be a top one or top two center. You got Larkin, top one, top two center, so they've got center depth. They've got wingers with Mantha. They've got Zadina coming. And if you add a guy what like Marner, I mean, I think you're set for forwards. What about, what if they go after someone yeah, Eisenman's really familiar with and a guy that he developed in Braden Point? I mean, we, I know we talked to him briefly, briefly. I don't know if Tampa Bay would be willing to give him up, but yeah, Eisenman knows what Braden Point could do, so, and he would cost a little less than Marner. They could go that route too if they really want to go get a franchise altering forward. Yeah, that might even be a better fit uh, for Detroit than Marner. Yeah, yeah so, it actually could be a decent fit. Detroit could have they Detroit could have some fun this offseason. They got some contracts coming off the books here soon, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're one of those teams that may that maybe they go get it. A notable free agent, unless they want to really take their time. So, but yeah, I mean, Eiserman uh, is going to make this team fun soon. They've already got those prospects, so they're in the right hands with Steve Eiserman at the helm. Well, 
we'll go ahead and transition then. So we've talked about uh, IHF Worlds. We uh, talked about the first game in the cup playoffs. A uh, little bit of the league news. Um, what, anything in particular going on with you guys over in Hawks World right now? Anything of note? I'll let you start this one, Kevin. Sure. Uh, I guess recently the the big things are the two uh, European signings that the Hawks made. So the first of which uh, is Anton Whedon out of Sweden. Uh, and I believe he's 26 years old. I think he's only expected to be really a fourth-line player. They signed him to a one-year entry-level deal. Uh, so not a guy that uh, I would expect too much out of if you're a Hawks fan, but could be a decent fourth-liner. The bigger one is Dominic Kubelik, uh, who's been playing in the Swiss League. Uh, he was also signed to a one-year entry-level deal. He's a guy that can be uh, a good top-nine player on the Hawks roster. He's just got such a great shot uh, that he's a guy, if you put him on a line with like Taves and Kane, I think he could really score a lot. Yeah, and spread, really spread out that. And they, they played with... K- Kajula played with Kane and Taves this season, and Kajula that can move Kajula to a more a role that's more equated for him, like a third line physical forward or something like along those lines. So Kubalik is one of those guys that it can, it really adds depth to the forward position, and he can you can really play him on any line, and I think he's going to produce. Yeah, I'd agree, uh, especially the point like uh, about Kajula. I think. You acquire guys like this, and then Kajula, yeah, you can move him down to more of like a fourth line, almost kind of grinder role. Uh, I think that would suit him better. Uh, so those are the two signings that the Hawks made uh, in terms of uh, free agents. They also, a while back, uh, signed a few prospects. They signed uh, Tim Soderlund uh, and Michael Hakkarainen to their entry-level deals. Uh, so those are guys that will be playing in Rockford next season. And then aside from that, the Hawks also added a new assistant coach, uh, Thomas Middle, who was an assistant coach under Jeremy Colleton when Colleton was in Sweden. Yeah, so they have that repertoire. I mean, the, Jeremy Colleton's finally getting his staff that he wants. He was kind of just thrown in the mix this uh, the middle of the se- November of this season, and he was thrown with Barry and... Uh, Don Granado. So uh, this is, this clearly shows the Hawks are gonna they're putting all their chips in one basket or all their eggs in one basket for Jeremy Colleton. They believe he could be the coach of the future, giving him his the, his guy that he wanted. Yeah, Jeremy Colleton. The organization definitely has a lot of trust in him. Stan Bowman, in particular, was the one that kind of handpicked him out of Sweden, gave him a year in Rockford, and. Uh, obviously called him up this past season to be the head coach of the Hawks and they just trust him. Uh, and so do I, I think uh, Jeremy Carlton, it's evident that uh, he made a lot of great changes for the Hawks this season, especially with the power play. Yeah. And I believe he, he kind of got thrown in. It was kind of unfair. We treated him unfairly. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm part of, I was part of it at the beginning of the year. We grew attached to guys like a guy like Joel Quinville, who, Obviously, you've seen things he's done here, and then you bring up, but bring along this young kid who we didn't really know of at the time. Obviously, he was the coach in Rockford, 
but he was doing he was down there for a reason and he was that next coach in waiting that Stan wanted to call up and I think he did a fantastic job this year even with the hate I had at first of losing Joel Quinville he's the reason why the, this Hawks team had that interesting month of February and going into March and why the Hawks were even near playoff contenders and uh I, I think Jeremy Colleton going to with the year under his belt this year and the guys have trust in him now and the guys have listened to him. I think next year Jeremy Colleton could show he's he, he's a true NHL caliber coach if he didn't show that already. For sure. So I think that wraps things up going on in the world of Blackhawks hockey. What about Detroit? Detroit signed Oliver Kosky. He's a uh <clears throat> he's a uh, a fresh face to the organization. Admittedly, I haven't really followed him that much, so I I really had a chance to evaluate his game. Um, they signed an entry level contract, though, which means that the team's at least got to have some faith in him. Um, I know it's really greedy, but I would love to see if he could be the uh, the Artemi Panarin of defenders, the guy who got signed from an overseas league and turned into an absolute beast. Um, haven't seen clips, though, so I have no idea if that's actually going to happen, but that's the only really big move that the Red Wings made this week, just signing him. I mean, they haven't traded anybody. No rumors of trades from their organization. Um, like I just said a little bit ago, I mean, the big move for Detroit was a couple of weeks ago when they got Eiserman as their GM. So, I mean, I think they're trying to keep quiet right now. I mean, Steve, Steve's kind of been one of those general managers who doesn't like to show his hand, so. Yeah, I think uh, it's been pretty quiet up front with actual news. Uh, so, actual news with both of our teams that we support and follow this past week. Kind of been, I mean, the Hawks made two nice moves. But other than that, it hasn't been anything big because free agency period hasn't started yet. But this weekend, this past weekend, Memorial Day weekend, is when the rumor mill really started flying off the charts. For I've seen a lot of Blackhawks rumors. I've read about a lot of Blackhawks rumors. I don't know that much about Detroit. The Detroit rumors, that, like you said, he likes to keep his hands quiet. But this weekend was a big weekend of these names being thrown out there connected to teams like the Blackhawks and free agents, upcoming free agents. If you, you want to go. Uh, referring to Kevin Hayes? Yes, I am. I am. <laughs> what would you think about that, Kevin? Uh, I don't know. I'm definitely a guy who maybe yeah, has have... a little bit of a resentment towards Kevin Hayes. Uh, <laughs> I just agree. Because he was drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks, and then he went through that NCAA loophole where if you play four years of college hockey, you become an unrestricted free agent, and you can choose to go anywhere. And obviously, he signed with the Rangers. Uh, and that made a lot of Blackhawks fans very unhappy. So yeah, but uh, no, a, a bit of resentment there. But no doubt, he's definitely a solid player. And if you're looking to potentially move Artem Anisimov, Hayes would be a good slot there at the uh, third line center role. The only thing for me is I just think he's probably going to command too much money. Yeah, that's a big fear. He's going to want a lot, but if, like you said, it all really depends on moving Anisimov because Dylan Strom is that second-line center of the future, and he's going to 
maybe eventually take over Taves' spot as that number one center in years to come. So Anizimov's the guy really to look at. If they can move him, then the Hawks are going to need a third-line center to fill his spot. And I think Kevin Hayes, just based off what it seems like lately, it's been in the news a lot. I think he's one of those guys that the Hawks are really looking at and really want to go. I mean, we all know how much Stan Bowman likes to bring back former players. So Kevin Hayes just seems like one of those guys that fit in just with everything. Basically, every offseason, Stan brings in another ex-Hawk. Yes, uh, and- <laughs> I guess for me this offseason, I the hawk that I want to see come back actually is uh, Michael Froelich from Calgary. I think he'd be a really good uh, just kind of bottom six role player. Yes, Froelich would be one of those. He knows how to win. You want to bring in winners. Froelich would be a nice name to bring back. And there's another former hawk that I've seen. There's a trade thrown out there, a potential trade thrown out there involving Brandon Saad. He's one of those guys to look at getting moved this offseason. Oh, those I had, I have not seen those rumors. What are they saying? It was an, I don't know which beat writer it was, but the Islanders, one of the Islanders beat writers, threw out a Brandon Sod for Nick Letty deal. I, I mean, Nick Letty, obviously, uh, the Hawks' defense is the problem, but the issue is, I don't think they're going to fix it via free agency this offseason. There's really no names. I mean, there's, oh, there's one. No name. one. Well, I mean, yes. Ant- Anton Strawman, I think, would be a nice second pairing defenseman but jake garner he's gonna come in too much money i don't think he's that great he's good i don't think so i think we have our own jake gardner and eric gustafson and yeah eric gustafson we have which wouldn't surprise me at the hawks he's gonna want a lot of a lot of money next season i don't know if the hawks are gonna want to pay him that money so he could even be a potential trade target but there's there's a lot of routes the hawks could go but if they want to fix that defense, they have to do it through trade. Nick Letty, that Nick Letty trade that I've seen was interesting. I just don't know if they want to give up Brandon Saad for that. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to uh, bringing back Letty. I mean, his contract is five point five million, and Saad is six million. So, you know, it's basically about the same if you're swapping uh, their salaries. Uh, yeah, I, I like Nick Letty. The only thing I'd be hesitant about is Brandon Saad is like kind of the only real two-way winger on the Hawks roster. So if you get rid of him, uh, you are you kind of take a hit defensively. Yeah, with the four, that four, the 200-foot player group, I agree. It, it, it really all depends on... It, I guess they need, they're looking for replacements. You've seen guys like Ryan Dezingle connected to the Hawks, who I, mm-hmm. that's a free agent I would really be interested in seeing come over. You shouldn't commend that much money. I think four and a half million is four and a half, five million maybe. Is some something you could see him coming over for. He's from the Chicagoland area, and he was a, he was healthy scratched by Tortorella in the playoffs. So I think he his time might be done in Columbus, even though he's just traded there recently. So Dzingel would be one is probably the name I want the most out of this free agency group, not named Artemi Panarin. <laughs> Do you think the Hawks bring back Panarin? Uh the way it ended, I don't think Panarin wants anything to do with Stan Bowman. I know. I think he goes uh, off to Florida. Yep, Florida is where I'm thinking too. Him and him, <laughs> both, both him and Bobrovsky. But Jordan, how about your Red Wings? Anything, any free agents you want to see over there? Or um, the fan base seems to think that we're going to sign Eric Carlson. I think it's a terrible <laughs> idea. I don't know why everyone on our subreddit seems to be obsessed with signing him. 
You know where I think Eric Carlson lands? Hmm. Where's that? I think Carlson is going to land in Buffalo, and Buffalo trades Ristolainen out in the offseason. That would be interesting. I actually like it a lot. I think it's a good spot. I mean, you put him there. Carlson would like it because I know he said that he would prefer to be close to Ottawa, or at least in like around that area. Buffalo's pretty close to the border. Uh, so, you know, he'd be pretty close uh, there. And the other thing, too, is Rasmus Dahlin is there. Imagine having him paired up with Eric Carlson to kind of mentor him. That's just perfect. About to say that exact thing. I think Buffalo would make that trade, if nothing else, just so Rasmus Dahlin gets mentorship from Carlson. They've got the cap space for Carlson. Mentorship is as much as you can't. You know, look at the value on paper. You can see it on the ice when you have guys mentoring each other. Any other names you see thrown out there? Um, I would actually like to see Detroit go for uh, Strawman. I think that they're still in their rebuilding phase, but I think they at least need somebody so that they're not going to be icing just a ton of rookies. I mean, they did that at the beginning of the season, and it just went terrible. Um, Detroit's going to lose Jonathan Erickson, Trevor Daly, and Nicholas Cronwall within the next two years. I mean, that's half of their defensive starters, so they need somebody, and they need them quick. And Stroman can slide in and at least play a top four. So I think that wouldn't be a bad pickup, and Detroit's going to have cap space to play with. So, I mean, it seems like the smart signing. Yeah, Stroman's one of those guys he's not people on paper but he's one of those guys that you want to bring in he he's a top four guy i don't think tampa bay could afford to bring him back he's he's just a solidified d-man he's not gonna wow you on the ice but he's one of those guys that he just seems he's always in the right spot he knows how to win you've seen tampa just dominate through the regular season this year and they've gone far they've gone far in the playoffs with Strowman on their rosters so he's one of those guys that a lot of teams are going to want to bring in I think he's he's the best kind of invisible, and not invisible in the sense that he's not a good player, but invisible in the sense that whenever you're watching the game, you don't know. Yeah, exactly. You don't see him making mistakes and asking, "What are you thinking?" Like he's just he's a dependable player. He's not going to be flashy, but he's not going to make you pull your hair out either. And Nick Jarlmerson was kind of that way in Chicago. Yep, that's. That's what I exactly think. I was thinking he's like a Nick Jarmelson kind of guy. He always seems to do the right thing. I think uh, potentially one of the more underrated uh, defensemen in free agency this year, uh, and I don't mean to kind of hype him up too much, but just a little un- underrated flying under the radar is Patrick Nemeth. I think is a pretty solid defender. Maybe not anything more than like a bottom pairing or a number four kind of guy. But uh, Nemeth, he, he's pretty solid and, and also pretty young as well, 27 years old. Uh, I think he's an interesting guy heading into free agency. Yes, it, it, this free agent class is, I think it's a very interesting free agent class. It's not going to be too boring. I think there's a lot of guys that are really worth the look and they could, improve some teams this offseason. Obviously, we're keeping our eye on guys like Artemi Panarin, Sergei Bobrovsky, but there's also depth guys out there, like you just said, like Nemeth, 
there's guys that can improve a team vastly and they don't they're not gonna bring in that much money. So just because you don't get the big name free agency this offseason mean you should be disappointed because there's a lot of guys that can improve your team. Yeah, Bob, what do you guys think that he that he gets for a contract? Because it sounds like he's not gonna stay with Columbus. So what do you guys think he gets? I mean, does he try to get, you know, carry price money? Or does he essentially take a bit of a cut to go somewhere and be on a potential contender and help them stay cap compliant? Because, I mean, he's had a yeah, taste if I'm of Bobrovsky, Yeah, if I'm him, I definitely want carry price money for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. You got to go. Uh, this is probably his last big. This is going to be his last big contract. So go make that money, Bob, and uh, hopefully he's a team like Florida is going to want Sergey Bobrovsky. They're going, they need a goalie that can change their franchise. I always keep saying change your franchise this episode, but that's what it's all about. You want to go get these guys that make you into perennial cup contenders, and a goalie like Bob can definitely help you out. I'm pretty sure Bob's going to be. Really, the only big name on on goalie free agency. I can't think of any other big names, at least. Because Price is locked up, Rask is locked up, Gibson's locked up. Uh, uh, is Jones Len- is locked up, isn't he? Martin Jones, yeah, yes. Is, is Robin Leonard a free agent this offseason? I don't remember. Um, I'm not sure if he's a free agent or not. I can check. But yeah, I mean, there's Bob's going to be obviously the number one goalie that everybody's looking at. I think a team like Florida should go get him. I think, yeah, Leonard is a free agent, but I think Bob and Bob's going to go with Panarin. I think the reason why Panarin changed agents is so he and Bob could be paired together, those Russian buddies of theirs. So wherever Panarin goes, I think Bob's going to follow. Know if uh, they'd be able to make the money work, but Carolina, with how far they made it in the playoffs, I mean they're staying like super packed this like during their cup run or should I say their playoff run? Do you think that that excitement would carry over to the fact where management, at least in Carolina, would look at that sort of attendance and say, okay, well we're getting the fans here into the games, maybe we should make a big money splash or investment into a player and try to keep these fans around? Because, I mean, Carolina's always been one of those budget teams. It'd be interesting for them to be willing to make a big splash on players like Panarin or like Bob and see if the fans react to it or not. Yeah, I think they should be at least in the running for those guys. Uh, Panarin's Panarin seems like he wants to play in a big market. But Carolina, if I'm in Carolina's position, you've seen that fan base this year, that team. They're after, they're after win celebrations. They're 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 a fun team. I was rooting for them in the playoffs, and they should be in running for these big name free agents. They they aren't spending too much money, so they should go get a guy. They should at least go after a guy like Panarin, Bobrovsky, maybe Kevin Hayes. There's a lot of guys that. Or Matthew Shane and there's Carolina could go a lot of ways this offseason, and I hope I hope to see that team improve because they're a fun team. 
agree that they should definitely be aggressive with, uh, you know, signing guys in free agency. But in the case of Panarin, I just don't think he's going to be interested in playing there regardless of the money. Yeah, it all goes back to that market size. I think Panarin wants to be in a big market. And a team like New York or I guess Florida is not too big of a market, but he has that repertoire with Quinville. So I, there's going to be a lot of teams after Artemi Panarin this offseason. So Carolina, if I'm Carolina, I try to look. I don't put on. I don't go after. I don't. I don't want to just go after Artemi Panarin. You got to go after all these other guys under him. Matthew Shane's a guy that they could go after. Pavelski. Pavel, I don't think he's going to be a shark again. And we've seen. We've seen Carolina invest in a guy, old, older guys like Justin Williams. I think Joe Pavelski would be a cool little addition over there. I'd really like to see him do something. I mean, they've been a budget team for a while, and for them to to get a, a big star player, I think that'd be good for their fan base, if nothing else. It'd get more people in the seats. And that's what that organization needs. They were talking about moving just two seasons ago. So I, this playoff run helped that organization, and I think a lot of t- a lot of players seen this team this season. So Carolina could be an interesting spot where people some people may actually want to go. That's true. I think, you know, they were in a tough spot for a while because they had a lot of young guys and they kind of needed those guys. They needed to wait for them to develop. And now you've got guys like Sebastian Aho, Ter- uh, you know, Tavo Teravainen, uh Jacob Slavin. These guys are all playing really good hockey right now. And that also includes all their young demons still have traded no way. They got guys like Hayden Flurry who's gonna be making adjust who's gonna be making that jump soon. So they're Carolina's gonna be an exciting they're gonna be one of those teams that are just gonna annoy people soon. And going to get a, going to get a big name free agent would definitely help that team for a long time. To see them go after Panarin if they were going to go after either Panarin or Barbarovsky, because I'd like to see Panarin essentially mentor Svechnikov. Svechnikov had some, I think, great play in the playoffs, the games that he played. I mean, obviously he got the notoriety for the uh, the fight, but just in terms of his actual skill, like he showed promise. And I think a guy like Panarin, who's who's been in a similar situation where he stepped up to the occasion. I think that could do a great job for his development. That's a great point. I didn't even consider that with Sveshnikov and Panarin. Panarin, he's a, he, he was Russian, right? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, they're both Russians. Like, like they've both been in similar situations. I mean, Panarin's, he's quote-unquote made it. be cool for a guy like Sveshnikov who... He's just entering the league to learn from somebody like that. I mean, I was talking about it, you know, a second ago, but I mean, mentorship, it's something that may not always show up on like the stat sheet, but it's important to younger guys to learn from somebody. I mean, to learn from a guy like Panarin, who's had the success. I mean, if you want to invest in your young guys, I mean, now's the time to do it, especially with a big name like that coming on. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything else we want to talk about? I mean, I know it's kind of been, the rumors haven't been too juicy lately. 
I know next week it'll start picking up as these Stanley Cup playoffs start closing. Is there really anything we want to cover on the rest of this episode? I'm just waiting for that draft. For the draft. Yeah, I can't wait for that draft. Uh, we're, the names are going to be popping up. The mock drafts are going to be updated. So it's going to be – I can't wait. I can't wait. Number three pick is exciting, and I hope it's Bowen Byron. Me too. <laughs> pretty sure you guys will take – I'm pretty sure you guys will get Byron. I don't – I don't see Chicago taking anybody else. Like I said, projected 1D, you, your guys' management, I think, would be making a huge mistake not to take him. I would have to agree. I think Detroit will... Well, I mean, Detroit, they don't really have a guaranteed guy who they're going to take because, I mean, this draft is a deep draft, so you have to look at what other organizations I think it just do. depends who falls to Detroit. Yeah, I mean, last year, I... I don't know, but the hockey gods gave us Philip Zedina, so. And Valeno. And Valeno. That was yeah. a shocker to me that he went all the way to 30. Yeah. And, and uh, Jonathan Bergeron, too. He had a bit of a rough season this year, but I still think Bergeron is a really good prospect. I mean, you guys, I'm pretty sure you'll take Byram. I think. Detroit will probably take either Turcotte or Pod Colson. Maybe Pod Colson if Steve Eiserman decides he's not wanting to try to be out of the rebuild for another two years. Yeah, I think uh, Yeah, I, they could go either way. They're going to get a top-tier player, at the, obviously, at six, correct? Seven? Six. Six. They're going to get a top-tier player. They could go like, – I think Pod Colson might be the best choice if they are going to stick in this rebuild phase, because he's going to be dynamic when he comes out. So the Red Wings are going to, the Red Wings are in a good position with Eisman at the helm, and they're going to, they're going to hit on this guy. They're, they're going to get a top tier player that could change that franchise. Also, is there anything else you guys want to talk about before the episodes wrap? I think that's really all we got. to. Co- I, think, I think we covered about everything. I think so. Well, if nobody else has anything to talk about, we'll go ahead and call it a wrap. We appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the Stickblade Podcast. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, contact with us. We're all over the socials, uh, Facebook or not Facebook, not Facebook yet. Uh, Instagram, Twitter. Find us on SoundCloud soon once we get the episodes uh, uploaded. We'll be on YouTube. Or if you want to shoot us a question. Uh, through our email, you can email us at stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. And then if you want to, I'll get some Twitter questions going. If you want to follow me or ask me questions, you could follow me at, at the and LePage underscore. <clears throat> so don't be afraid to hit, up, hit us up with questions. We'll be gladly to answer them on the podcast. If there's anything else that we, you want us to talk about, we'll cover it. And with that being said, I think we're going to close out. So, everybody, stay safe. Have a good evening. Thank you for tuning in.